Sean, so I've heard all of your travel stories, and man, I got to tell you, it's been a nightmare going over the Hudson River. It's really been, at times, difficult. There's been traffic on Route 21 from my route to uh, Newark. At times, it's taken me a little, maybe 10 minutes longer to get to Prudential Center. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about with your travel, Sean. You have it worse, Dan. You always have it worse. <laughs> I'm a smart guy, and I go to the experts when I need help, and I got this whole thing figured out. It's all taken care of. All right. I'm living on mustard packets and pickle juice. There you go. And pizza. Mustard packets, baby. It's mustard. the answer. I did not know this. So the Jets and the and the Vegas Golden Knights play double overtime. I'm a little interested in what happens in the locker room. Neil Pionk, who has three assists on the last three goals for them uh, to come back before they lose in overtime, goes... It's hitting the mustard packets pretty hard. What? Like hitting them hard? How? He's like, oh, you just eat them. You rip them open and you squeeze them on your tongue and you're good to go. Like spicy so like, mustard? No, regular Heinz Yellow? mustard. Yellow mustard. So I'm like, well, that's got to be a one-off. So out comes Nate Schmidt. Nate, are you a mustard guy? Oh, yeah. Not usually, but but tonight I was. And these dudes, they sit in the locker room and they rip open concession packs of mustard. <laughs> And gobble them down. Keeps them from cramping, Dan. I did not know that. See, I taught you goal legs, and now I've taught you mustard. This back-to-back weeks where I've learned something just because of your covering the Vegas Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets. This is good stuff. This yeah. is what we need. So on my 13-hour travel day yesterday, sitting at the restaurant, they're like, what would you like to eat? I'm like, mustard packets, please. <laughs> little pickle juice on the side? Yeah, a little chaser pickle juice, <laughs> and I'll be good to go. I'll be ready when I hit Vegas. It's been a good run here for the Vegas Golden Knights, so let's get into it a little bit, Sean. We're going to have Mike Zeisberger, our colleague from NHL.com. We're going to talk a lot of Toronto, Tampa Bay with him, a little bit on Edmonton, L.A. as well. That's going to be coming up here shortly, but let's get into the two series, especially that you and I are covering. I'm covering the Devils and Rangers. You're covering the Golden Knights and the Jets, so look. Let's dig in here. The, the Golden Knights have won three in a row. The Jets don't have Morrissey. We don't know if they're going to have Shifley. We don't know if they're going to have Nick Ehlers. They haven't had him yet. They play game five Thursday in Las Vegas. Do you give the Jets, I mean, are the Jets, do they have a shot here, Sean? Connor Hellebuck says they're really, really close. And maybe they are, but that they, they're not They're not winning the games that they're close. Are you asking me, do they have a shot in game five or do they have a shot in the series? I mean, can, I, I think they would have a shot in game five, but do you think that without Morrissey and potentially without Ehlers and Shifley that they even have a shot to win three in a row in this series? Well, I'm in the gambling capital of the world. Yeah. I, I would not give them very good odds to win three in a row. Um, they're without Shifley. If he plays and he's effective, I'll actually eat Monster Packet on the next Zoom. Like, that cat took a shot, collapsed in pain, and skated immediately to the locker room. I mean, there's, you know, it's an upper body injury. There's something wrong with his wrist or his shoulder. I can't imagine. They say he feels better. Um, I can't imagine he could be an effective player in in that quick a time, right? Ehlers hasn't played since the second to last game of the regular season. You're going to throw him into this and find him to be effective? I, I'm not 100% sure about that. When you look at their injuries, because you throw in Cole Perfetti, who had 30 points. It's 212 points. It's a Norris Trophy defenseman, a worthy defenseman. It's a 42-goal scorer, and Shifley 
it's Ehlers who makes their power play go. Not only is it 212 points, it's four fifths of their two playoff units that are out. Yeah. So, and all of this is against the top seed in the West. So, um, when in Vegas, you play the odds, the odds to me are that there's very little chance they win three games in a row. And I don't care what kind of money line you're going to give me. I'm not bad. Right. And here's the other thing, too. They're playing a team that's playing well and feels pretty good right now. And they got a guy on their team in Vegas that that that's feeling his way through Stanley Cup playoffs and getting better each game, probably. And that's Jack Eichel, Sean. And you wrote about him, too. So he really struggled in game one. That was a big time problem for him. It was like a welcome to the playoffs moment for Jack Eichel in the wrong way. But he has come on since. And even though I don't think he had a point in the last game, game four, but as you wrote and and it's been talked about, he was dominant on the ice. Like he was he was a big time player. He's Alex Petrangelo, Sean, and your story put it put it uh, really well. I think when he said everybody looks at Jack Eichel and sees the skill and the way he can control a game and the you know how good he is with the puck on a stick, but that guy can use his size too. And I think he's using his size in this series in a really good way. And he's feeling it, like he it's like. That game one, Eichel's 26 years old, but this, he's been in the league eight years. But this is his first time in the playoffs. And that game one, he was like a rookie again. And now he looks like a veteran. Who wrote the story, Dan? Me or you? You did. You just, you just gave the listeners the cliff notes. I did I give not- the cliff notes. You should go read the story. It's on NHL.com right now. There's a lot more to it than that. And you I got nothing, I you credit, I got nothing much to add. Here. So, so here's what I'll add. It usually takes a long time for players to figure out the playoffs. They're a different beast. Yeah. Right. And, and Eichel waited a long time, suffered in, in Buffalo. He's won at every level he's ever played at. He went to Buffalo. He thought it was his birthright, right? Not in a bad way. In a, I'm the number two pick in the draft. I'm joining a couple of number one picks in the draft. We're going to figure this out and we're going to be in the playoffs within two years. Six years later, he's still not in the playoffs. So he finally gets traded, goes to Vegas playoff team. Not with Jack Eichel, they're not. They missed for the first time in six years. He had to wait a long time, and you did. You watched him in game one, and you're like, that's not Jack Eichel. That's not the point of game player we saw. And, and, you know, I asked Bruce Cassidy about it, and he's like, I'm like, can you accelerate that fast? Can you figure it out from game to game in the playoffs? And he's like, it depends on the player, right? Like, you you need to have a special mentality. And, And I think that Jack has learned so much through the adversity he's been through, the injuries, the the suffering, the missing the playoffs, the be, being held responsible as the number two pick um, and as a leader on that team. I think he has been through so much that there is no way he's going to let this opportunity slip through his hands. And, and you looked at him in game four, and yeah, there's no point there, but he drew the two key penalties. Um, they didn't score on either one, but one turned the tide and the other one they scored one second after the player got out of the box. And, and he did that by going hard to the net and using his speed and using his size. And, and he's figured out playoff hockey. And I I look at him and I'm like, it's only up from here because you start to build your confidence. And then, like Bruce said, the puck follows you, right? The problem is when you're when you're a really good player and you get to the playoffs and the space is limited and, and guys are in your face sometimes the puck doesn't follow you and you start to press and you get nervous and it goes squirrely the puck's starting to follow jack eichel and that's nothing but good news for the vegas golden knights
now we haven't given away the Cliff Notes version. We've pretty much given away the whole story, but you still should go read it on NHL.com. It's good stuff. Sean did a good job with that one, by the way. Yeah, thanks, buddy. It happens every once in a while. Um, <laughs> so, all right. The other thing about that series, too, by the way, is you like Laurent Boisois, the goalie for Vegas, has, has been solid. You know, I mean, he's done his job. If you look at it, he, he's got a 902 save percentage in the series, but it's, I think it's a 913 or a 914 in the last uh, three games. So, he is. Do you agree? Like he's he's done his job. He's been the serviceable goaltending that the Vegas Golden Knights felt they needed. They didn't necessarily, if they had it, it'd be great. But they didn't feel like they needed elite, elite Andre Vasilevsky, you know, Igor Shesterkin goaltending. But but they're getting serviceable goaltending to win. Sort of like Colorado last year. Yeah, and and throw out game one, right? Which was what it was. He gave up five goals in game one. He's been really good since, like really, really good. The the play that Shifley got hurt on, he makes a huge save on a breakaway with that place ready to explode um, early on, and and he's made the saves they needed. And I wouldn't call him serviceable. He's been better than Connor Hellebuck. Connor spoke yesterday on the travel day, and I was in the middle of traveling, so I didn't hear it. I've only read the quotes, and, you know, Connor went back to the well that he loves to go to. Love my game. I'm playing really well. Bounces haven't gone our way. The other guys had like 10 posts. I haven't had any posts. You know, at some point, the puck's going to turn. I understand. You're a goalie. Like, that's how you have to live. Like, you have to believe that the the turnaround's around the corner. But we've played four games now. And if you're picking the better goalie in this series, I'm picking Brossois. Yeah. Never under quite, quite understood that where the it's lucky if it hits the post it, the puck got past you and it didn't go in it didn't you know? get past you because it was it, it might as well hit the boards at that point right like it's a missed shot you've taken, shot you've taken away the scoring area the net the the, the posts are neutral right it's it's not a shot on goal anyway we'll see i don't think uh winnipeg has it in him to win three in a row i don't i don't see here winnipeg Look, I don't think Vegas wants to go back to Winnipeg for a game six. I think I think they get this done in five. So we'll see. They play Thursday night at T-Mobile Arena. The other game Thursday night that I'll be covering uh, is Devils Rangers, and that's at uh, it's a game five at Prudential Center. Sean, did Dog you speed think- and get in there, Dan? Uh, it's going to be really hard. You know, there's cones on Route 21 that they're, they're close the lane. It's 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 really hard sometimes. You know, I know. I know. So, so good luck. I, I hope. I hope you don't have any issues yet. All right. I'll try my best. And hopefully you don't have any garment issues either. <laughs> oh, you heard about that, huh? So we'll put it out there. All right. You know, had, had a little bit of an issue. Ripped pants. You know, they're not in the seam. Thank you Quest- very much. Questionable. Questionable for yeah. the game. No, ripped I don't know. Pants. I made it for the game, but I was definitely out for the morning skate. Can't go into the arena with ripped pants. Anyway, let's not talk about that. that was game three. Long in the past, by the way. Have, did, have since done some shopping. So, all right. A uh, little playoff shopping. But, hey, did you think? I didn't. I didn't think that the Devils were going to go into Madison Square Garden after what we saw in Prudential Center and win two games. One, I was going to give them because I didn't think this was going to be a sweep, even even as good as the Rangers looked in playing near-perfect games one and two and as bad as the Devils looked. There's no way I thought that the Devils would go into Madison Square Garden and take both games and, and and in doing so, allow one goal in each game, two goals for Akira Schmid in net, not Schmid, Schmid in net. 
taking over for Vitek Vanacek. Good change, smart change there by Lindy Ruff. He's been very calm. He's been good. But, Sean, did you think that they were going to go into the Garden and win twice? Yes. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No way. Of course I did. No shot. It's a coin flip series. Well, now it is. It wasn't after games one and two. (laughs) It was a coin flip series. The talent there, the contrast in styles, to me, made this a seven-game series. So to get to seven, they were going to have to win two in the Garden. Was I confident? And I wouldn't say I was confident, but I thought they could do it. Look, they got elite players, and their elite players have come out to play, right? We, We talked about Jack Eichel. We did the state your case last week on which Jack would have the better playoffs. I wanted to call it You Don't Know Jack, but they didn't let me do that. But he's in the same boat as Eichel. It's his first playoffs. He had to figure it out. He's figured it out. He's the game breaker that he's meant to be. He wasn't in games one and two, right? Dougie Hamilton, huge for them. Yeah, he's been good. I love the devil fan base. We, we forget that at the beginning of the year, they wanted to fire Ruff. They also wanted to fire him after two games in the playoffs. Yes, they did. Give the man some credit. He knows a thing or two about coaching. He showed it. He's taken this Ranger team that was a juggernaut and figured out a way to shut him down to the point that it's their coach who's savaging his team over their inability to generate anything. A team that is loaded with legends. Legends. Kane, Zabinajad, you know, you go down the line and they they manage two goals. I, what do you call them? Sleepy? You call them lazy. No mustard packs. No, maybe not. <laughs> maybe, no pickle juice. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's I mean, They have to get a big box, a big supply of the concession stand yellow mustard packs. They got a lot I of think, them. The I think in the garden, though, they have the spicy mustard. They do have the spicy mustard. And they, I don't know if that works as well. I think it's got to be playing. A, I'm, I'm working on a big story on this, Dan. I'll have okay. the answers for you. They also have like a teriyaki ketchup at one of the stands. I wonder how that would no, that would no, play. That's not that's not working. That doesn't do it. Okay. No, you know, look, the the two biggest culprits that I see right now from, from the Rangers is Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad. And you know, in a way, we were talking about this in the first round last year, too, especially and they came through. I mean, Panarin scored the big goal to win it in overtime in game seven. And Zibanejad really came on in that series as it went on, and he had a great playoff run for them. Look, the two of them, neither one has a goal. They've got a combined four assists, but only two even strength points between the two of them. One one each. And the other thing, too, is Mika Zibanejad's got eight shots on goal in, in four games. Not nearly enough. Panarin's got nine in four games. And I, their power play, 0 for 8 in the last two games, 4 for 10. The Devils have done a really good job. To your point, what you said, they've done a really good job of taking away options. And I don't necessarily know, Sean, that it's frustrated Mika Zibanejad or, or Artemi Panarin, but Schmid had some big saves on both of them on the power play in game three on one-timers, but they've taken away the Kreider option on the power play. And they're willing to give up the one-timers because they trust their goalie to get over and make the save. And it's worked. And the other thing that the Devils have done really well, and this is where I think Lindy Ruff and the coaching adjustment needs a lot of, deserves a lot of credit. They, the Devils have been a speed team all through the season. You know, the team that turns you over and, and attacks, attacks, attacks the other way. 
it's not so much their attack. It's what they're doing in the neutral zone to clog it up. They're stuffing the Rangers. They're stopping them from getting any. We've talked so much about the devil speed. The Rangers want to play similarly. They want to get speed going. And the Devils have done such a good job in the last two games of stifling that speed. And it's really, it, it's it's created havoc for the Rangers in terms of just getting into the zone, both on the power play and at five on five. It's not like the Devils are blowing them out in any way. They're not generating a ton of scoring chances. They've been low event game. These two, they were low event games at Madison Square Garden, and it was it's surprising to me because you wouldn't expect these two teams to play a grinded out low event style, but it's working for the Devils. And I and that's the key. They have to try to make it work for them again in Game Five at Prudential Center. They're a better team than the team that played in Games One and Two at Prudential Center. Let's see if they can make that style work again. Well, of course they want to play low event hockey. Like, look at what the Rangers have. Yeah, you want to yes. play high event hockey with Patrick Kane and the guys you mentioned, Zabinajad and, and and Panarin and you know Fox and and all of these guys that and Kreider that they bring to the table. No, you you want to play low event hockey. But let me ask you this, because you would know better than me. You're you're around them all the time, and is that the right play by Gallant ripping them a little bit? He didn't rip them a little bit. You ripped him a lot. It was a three-minute press conference, and he basically shredded his team to, to bits. He attacked their character. Yeah, he did. Is it the right play? He shouldn't have said what he said, <laughs> to quote Slapshot. Is it the right play? I mean, I think he was being honest, and, and I think you have to take that for what it is. I, 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 It's what he felt. It was a little bit of a difference of a difference from what you got in the room after the game, but I think the players were trying to be more diplomatic. In fact... Vincent Trocek was asked the question, you know, do you feel as though that desperation level that was where it needed to be and the commitment level to winning a game was where it needed to be? And this is, I'm talking about after game four. And it took him, he took a long breath and, and it was almost, he was thinking about it. Like, I think he was thinking, where do I go with this? And then he said, I think we played hard. You know, I think we did our, we played hard, you know, and, and, and he's, he said he, he he was right. The devil's got a break. You know, the puck gets through Schmidt and then Siegenthaler pulls it off the goal line, flips it up in the air, and he uses off for a breakaway. Then he scores on a breakaway, right? That's that's less than three minutes into the game, gives him a one-nothing lead. And it stayed that way for a long time. Then the Rangers tied it in the third period, but the Rangers didn't have near the desperation that they needed, you know, after Siegenthaler scored, you know, a little over eight minutes into the third period to go up two to one. So I think the players were trying to be diplomatic and Gallant, that's just not his style. He's just abrasive in that way. Like he will just come out if he then and say what he feels. And it was three minutes of tearing his team apart. They had an off day yesterday. And I think that might settle things down. They're practicing here in a little while on, and we're, we're talking here on Wednesday. And so we'll see, we'll see how they respond to this. I, I don't know if it was the right play. I don't know if it was the wrong play. I think we got to see what their response is. Yeah. I just find it funny because look, Rick Bonus is the coach for Winnipeg. He's a really smart guy. He's been in the game for 50 years. The game's changed a ton. I asked them the other day, right? They lose that game in overtime. Dylan Sandberg, they're playing 5D. Neil Pionk plays over 40 minutes. Everybody plays a ton of time. Dylan Sandberg plays a lot. Uh, they kind of tried to hide him a little bit in overtime. Eventually, it's the second overtime. They got to put him out. Goes in the corner, gets the puck, tries to make the right play up the boards. Hits Barbashev's pad, goes right into the slot for Michael Amadio to be play hero. Yeah. Um, huge moment, right, in this kid's career. 
It's going to scar him. And, and, you know, Bone said afterwards, he's like, I talked to him right after the game. And then the next day he said, I called him again at night, right before he went to bed to tell him that it was okay. And it struck me how much coaching has changed and how it's collaborative now and how I think the good coaches in this league and we look around the playoffs and you look at a John Cooper, you look at a Bednar, um, you, you look at those guys, they're psychologists. They're taking care of their team. They're building their teams up, right? Even Lindy Ruff with Jack Hughes, he builds them up. He doesn't tear them down. Like the, that whip isn't in a lot of guys' toolboxes anymore. It's about, hey, you're good. We're good. We're going to figure this out. Here's a really positive message to take. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I do think that coaching has changed in that you do not see the savaging of teams very often, unless you live in Philadelphia. Gallant's not that way. He's old school. He, he's very old school. And look, his results in his two years with the Rangers, two, two dates, two dates, have have you can't argue with it right i mean they've been they've been a playoff team a you know a, not a borderline playoff team they've been locked in as a playoff team they go to the eastern conference final last year and the key for them last year why they ran out of gas in his words after game six uh against the tampa bay lighting is they played seven games in the first round and they played seven games in the second round they want to do it they needed to avoid that they had a two nothing lead they couldn't avoid it now they might be facing a seven game series here in, in this one but he's old school He's not, I don't think, the collaborative type coach. I think he leaves a lot of that to his assistants. And if they end up losing this series, he's going to feel a lot of heat. He's going to take a lot of heat. And it might trace back to his comments after game four. But he was being honest, and he was not wrong. That Let's point it out, too. He was not wrong in his assessment. It's just you don't always hear that assessment from coaches who, you know, are to use your word, a little more collaborative and, and you know, maybe more comforting to their players, uh, a little bit more of a warm blanket to their players rather than, you know, throwing cold water on them. Yeah, I, I just, I, I found it strange that, I'm not saying that he's wrong, I, but you know when you stink. I know when I do this podcast that I'm no good, Dan. I go and I feel shame. I don't need you or Bob Bender to call me up and say, you didn't really carry your weight. That was a lack of character I by you. you go about your day. Well, I do because I've <laughs> never messed up here. But That's right. If it's I were right. to have, I would know it. Nobody would need to tell me. Yeah. Nobody would need to berate me. I'm a professional. I take this professionally, believe it or not. I'm up at 7 a.m. in Vegas to do this very podcast. And my eyes are barely open. I have not gotten to the mustard packs for the day yet, but I take this professionally. There's some really proud people in that room. I don't think they need to be told that they suck. Well, we'll see. I mean, like I said, we'll see their response all the way. Uh, by the way, are you up at 7 a.m. in Vegas or have you not gone to bed yet? And it's 7 a.m. in Vegas. And the silence matters. A little bit of both. Uh, well, my, my, <laughs> my sleeping patterns are so off. I actually did go to bed and I was up at 4 a.m. wide awake. And I'm like, what am I doing? What's happening here? So. All right. Well, look, we we said I said it before. Mike Zeisberger's joining us, joined us. We talked to him a little bit about well, a lot, I should say, about the Tampa Bay Lightning and Toronto Maple Leafs, the series he is covering for NHL.com. Hit a little bit on the Oilers and Kings as well. Always entertaining. Here is the interview we did with Mike Zeisberg. All right, Zeis, we're bringing you in. Is this the year? 
Does Toronto win a round? Maybe more? Well, of course they are because I picked them in the <laughs> NHL.com projections, okay, for the first time, okay? So they better not screw me around, okay? This better not be another case of Lucy going back to the Charlie Brown days saying, I'm not going to pull the football away when you try to kick it. And then she always does, okay? But, no, I think it's very, very important. Um, the quicker they get this done, the better. I'm a big believer in some of these teams. You have to put the dagger in this. Um, you know, the, the, Tampa's got that winning pedigree. You've got a chance at home. The longer you leave the lightning in the series, the more doubt's going to start creeping in. So I think it's really important for game five um, for them to get the job done. You're wrong, Zeiss. Tampa has them right where they want them. Right where they want them. They're following <laughs> the Bruins' game plan. You could have stopped it. You're wrong, Zeiss. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like to I like to give the listeners a little something. I mean, they know. They know. You got to give them a little something. Yeah, they got them right where they want them. It's got to be unbelievable. Like, you know, I'm doing the Vegas series. They're up 3-1, and, and they're like, yeah. You know, they're not going to say anything, but they're like – how can we not lose? How can we not win one of these three games? I'm not sure that's the feeling in Toronto. I, I, the scars are still there, are they not? Oh yeah, that's for sure they are. And I think, I think in the two games in Tampa, the the four three overtime when there was a little bit of disbelief because they were so badly outplayed. The Leafs don't win games in the playoffs in which their goalie steals some games. It just doesn't happen. And in that game, even though Samsonov had you know, was shaky at times. Um, he held them in, and they ended up winning game three. Game four, uh, once again, Tampa, very, very much the better team to start out. But by the end, the Leafs big boys came out. They Obviously, they came back from, uh, you know, um, four to one in the third period and then win it in overtime. So being back in town here, I think there still is um, – you know, some skepticism, but there's always, there's also, I feel a different type of vibe. Like, you know, this may actually happen. Okay. Now we looked last night to see if Haley's comment was sailing by and I could not see that. Um, but there's still hope that perhaps just perhaps they can get this done. And like I said, um, it's going to be really, really nuts in the rink tomorrow night. Um, Obviously, 19 years without winning one playoff series. And so, yes, if they win, and yes, there's going to be, um, you know, a lot of, there will be cars in the streets honking their horns. They may have to close off Young Street, and the entire city of Toronto and the fan base will be berated by the rest of the National Hockey League fandom because why are these people going so crazy after one playoff series win? And I'll tell you why, because the last time they did, I had hair and I don't have any anymore. That's how long it's been. <laughs> Look, if they are able to take care of this in game five, I think you let those fans celebrate. You let them enjoy it. That's what it's about. You know, I mean, that that's what it's about. Obviously, they have to win three more rounds. They're going to win 12 more games to get the real job done. But this is something that hasn't happened since 2004 if they're able to get it done. And you're right, Zaz. I 100% agree with you. They got to get this done. In game five, the last thing they want to do is go back to Tampa Bay after a loss with the Lightning, who have not played poorly in this series. In fact, they've no. played, they've probably been the better team for the balance of the series, except for a 
what, six and a half minutes, you know, in game four, that was the difference. But now if they Toronto Maple Leafs are to get this done, and if they are to get it done in game five, why, what has been the difference for Toronto this year? What will be the difference for Toronto this year that their demons don't return for them and they do get this done? I just think the big difference, Dan, this year is the timing of things. Okay. So, um, you know, they had a stinker in game one. Um, the roles reversed in game two. Uh, Tampa struggled there. But if you look at the last two games, you know, yeah, they they have these periods where they're not playing well. But when it matters, okay, answering the bell for the moment, that's been the difference. You know, uh, in overtime in game three with Riley, with Riley scoring, I mean, Samsonov made some huge saves in overtime to keep them in that game. They never got that before. And, that, you know, there was a goal earlier in the game that you could question, um, you know, uh, should he have stopped that? Maybe he should have. But at crunch time when it mattered, when in the past they could not get it done, they did. Um, you look in the third period the other night, down four to one. Who are the guys that are coming through for them? The big guys. I mean, you know, I was looking at the stat sheet yesterday. and. You know, I, I'm with you, Dan. I mean, there's been periods where Tampa has dominated them, and yet I look, and Mitch Marner has 10 points, okay? Austin Matthews, who really took over to me that game in the last 25 minutes the other night, he's got, uh, I believe he's got eight points. Nylander's got seven points. Um, Morgan Riley had four points, four assists in game two to tie a, rec a playoff record franchise for defensemen. Scores the winning goal in overtime in, in uh, game three and scores a tying goal late in the game in game four. They're big guys, and I know it sounds cliche, but their big guys are coming up in the big moments. That should be a two-foot putt, okay? We've seen Sidney Crosby do it in the past. We're seeing Dreisaitl and McDavid start to do that out in Edmonton. But that has been one of the Leafs' bugaboos. Last year in Game 7 against Tampa, they get outscored by Nick Paul 2-1. to one. This year, when it matters, when the games are on their line, their best players are being their best players, and that's something we haven't seen in a while. Guys, you mentioned all those guys. You didn't mention the most important player in, in the series. O'Reilly? Ryan O'Reilly. And as a sidekick, good Rhode Island boy, Nolachari. Yes. Well... Mentally, they're the difference, and physically, they're the difference. Well, and I do agree with you. Yes, I agree on both parts, but I think it's a combination thereof. But I can't argue with you about O'Reilly. I mean, this guy's work ethic. They have an optional skate. He's out there. They have an optional more um, a practice. He's out there. They put Matthew Nyes, a 20-year-old kid, only less than three weeks removed from playing in the Final Four for the Minnesota Golden Gophers, in that same arena, Amelie Arena, and he is playing like a, 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 a like a veteran at times. In fact, uh, Sheldon Keefe said that he will not come out of the lineup, even though Michael Bunting is eligible to play in Game Five, coming off his three-game suspension because he's played so well. Well, he's playing on a line with O'Reilly in the dressing room. They have put O'Reilly and Nies uh, or Nies, I should say. I better get this guy's name right. He's going to be around for a while but they put them next to each other in the dressing room to kind of, you know, O'Reilly's kind of a mentor there. And you watch him, you know, 
just the attitude, because when you're this group of Toronto Maple Leafs, you have lost six consecutive series. And by that, I mean Nylander, Riley, Marner, Matthews. Six consecutive series have been lost by that core. Five in deciding games. You bring in Ryan O'Reilly, and he comes in after the game, and I guess he's had a couple of speeches when, you know, as the teams are going overtime, he goes, you know, saying that this should be fun. Let's embrace it. Forget the nerves. Forget all that stuff. Have some fun. And I really do think that he has just brought a different attitude and on the ice as well. And I agree with you the other part, Sean. Their trade deadline acquisitions, Lafferty and McCabe have struggled, the two guys that they got from uh, from Chicago. But uh, the two guys they got from St. Louis, um, and you mentioned them, Achari and uh, O'Reilly, uh, have, have answered the bell and then some. And, and I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, uh, Achari was on the fourth line and they bumped him up to the third line alongside Nice and, and O'Reilly. And they have arguably at times been the Leafs' best line. So you're right there, but I think it's a combination too, again, that their best players at money time have produced on the scoreboard. Yeah, look, Achari's got a goal in each of the last two games. I mean, yep. he's been a big-time player for them. Depth, you know, you need the big guys, but you need the depth to get it done as well. So that's that's it. And like Sean said, you know, Good Rhode Island boy, of course. So you gotta, he's always got to put that in there. Oh, All yeah. Right. So Zyze and Sean, am I insane? Am I crazy to think that the Lightning are done? And, and, and I don't mean like, you know, hey, they got no shot. It just feels to me, especially different. the way they lost game four, that it's different, that it's, it, it's like this run is kind of, they could come back and do it again next year, but like this run is kind of over and it just, it just feels that way. And I think I'm insane to even think it or say it, but that's the feeling I get. Zai's you're in the building. Do you get the same? Yeah. And I also have the same pushback that you do. Yeah. Because this is how much I believe in John Cooper. This is how much I believe in their core. I will say this, Dan, in the third, Starting a little later in the second period, even though the Lightning got a late goal, but especially in the third period in overtime, they finally looked like they ran out of gas. Now, is that just a one-game thing? Or is it just, you know, the, the, there's so much tread on the tires and it's starting to wear out? Um, you know, I will say this. That there was a lot of criticism around Toronto about the way that the Leafs were playing when Tampa was dominating them and, and, you know, for at times in game three and early in game four, you watch the way the lightning play. And I, I tip my hat to them, not only with that Stanley cup final intensity, but the coaching taking away Toronto's passing lanes. I mean, it was, you know, I would say I would give more credit to the way Tampa was playing. They were playing with that championship pedigree of an elite team, as opposed to things Toronto wasn't doing. But we've never seen warts like we've seen the last couple of games, to your point, Dan, and that's it. And I think it starts, and it's got to be said, Andre Vasilevsky has let in 19 goals in four games. And on one of the broadcasts um, up here, they have Derek Lalonde, um, the Red Wings coach, who obviously used to be an assistant with Tampa. And he comes out and said, you know, they did studies, and – Vasilevsky has difficulty tracking pots from the point. And if you look at Riley's 
you know, winning goal the other uh, in game three, uh, tying goal in game four, and even the winning goal in game four, which came from a tip, it's just pucks to the net that he seems to be having issues with. Now, John Cooper poo-pooed it, um, and that could be very well the case. But the fact is, and I'm not saying that it's Vasilevsky's fault, and we know he gets better as series goes on, go on, but, uh, you know, uh, 19 goals in, in four games, that's just very un-Vasilevsky-esque. So I'm not a Hall of Fame coach. I'm not a Hall of Fame coach in making. I'm not even a Hall of Fame podcaster. But what do you guys need in Toronto? to make storylines up. I'm going to wear my goaltending hat here. Suddenly they found out a weakness in Vasilevsky. There's been 20 rounds of hockey played by some really smart minds. And all of a sudden the Toronto Maple Leafs have figured out how to solve Vasilevsky. He's having a tough series. Let's think about the last time that Tampa didn't make it to the final. What happened? There was a certain big, really talented defenseman. Mm-hmm. who was compromised. Yeah, very true. What's happened in this series? There's a big, really talented defenseman who missed the game Yeah, because he's compromised. He's not 100% coming back. Vasilevsky's given up 19 goals. He hasn't been good. He hasn't been better than the guy at the other end of the ice. But there's a little more going on here than Vasilevsky and the brilliance of the Toronto staff to figure out that you can beat him from the point. Well, first of all, if it doesn't take rocket science, and that's why I have discovered it, put pucks to the net. Stop going east-west and go north-south. Number two, remember, this is one of Vasilevsky's former coaches saying this. So, you know, I, I, I find that kind of head-scratching. One, um, you know, gosh, this is a revelation. And two, I think a lot of goalies have trouble tracking pucks from the point if they can't, if they have people in front of the net. And I've been begging, Sean. Um, you know, when I get asked on some of these radio shows what the Leafs should do, put butts in front of the net, like we see Corey Perry doing on almost every shift he's on the ice for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and make it harder to see. Goalies have hard... Like I said, it's not rocket science. You can't see the puck. You have a hard time to track it. I just, I was a little surprised that, you know, that Derek Lalonde would, would say something uh, like that um, about his former team. But obviously, as you said, it's another storyline that's that's gaining traction. And I think John Cooper is going to use this to his advantage going in there and saying, like, you know, we got a guy that... Uh, I forget what his average is in deciding elimination games, but it's just ridiculous uh, uh, with all the shutouts he has and that, that all of a sudden um, they found his kryptonite. So uh, the whole thing, I just think Cooper's going to go in there and say, you know what? Even your former coach doesn't think you can do it. Um, let's show let's show everybody that you can. Well, Derek Lalonde is a competitor of Andre Vasilevsky and the Tampa Bay Lightning now in the same division with the Detroit Red Wings. So maybe he's just trying to throw this out there because the more people that do it, the worse that Vasilevsky gets, he thinks, and that helps his own team eventually. We'll we'll see. All right. So, guys, we'll see what happens here. I wanted to just, before we let you go, let's keep it in your country, Canada. 
and let's go out to Edmonton. Sean and I will talk a lot about Vegas, Winnipeg, and whatever. Let's go to Edmonton. And this power play, this power play is, it's off the charts good. It's must-watch stuff. Do you think that L.A. can come back in this series against Edmonton uh, if they commit a penalty? (laughs) <laughs> and put them on the power play. If 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 LA in the next can go two straight games without committing a penalty, I think they have a chance. <laughs> that might be their only chance because of the power. Yeah. Play. Well, look at. I mean, I think it all depends on on the design that Will Ferrell decides to paint his face. Okay, that's <laughs> that's the biggest contingency plan. No, um, I, I just think that the Oilers. You know, the King, look at first of all, let's give the Kings all the credit. I mean, that team plays so hard and gets into the faces of Edmonton star players. Um, all the credit to them. I just think that the Oilers, you know, even going to the Western Conference final last year, you learn from adversity. And I think they're they're doing that. I mean, look, Dan, I mean, they were they were down four to one, too. I mean, that or three to nothing. That's how close they came. I mean. They're down in that series three to one if they don't come back um, in game four. And we're talking about an entirely different narrative here. So I think, especially especially the game in L.A., um, you know, uh, they have a – but the, the one thing about the Kings, I mean, I just – I kind of sensed last night in the Oilers' victory that they kind of smell blood, that this is, okay, you know what uh, – you guys played us hard. Uh, you play us physical, but we need to take it to another step. So um, I think the Kings will give them everything they've got, as they always do. But like I said, the the Oilers are my pick, and not just for the power play. Um, I mean, I the more I watch the Eklund acquisition, the more I think it's a game changer. Uh, at, at both ends of the ice, the physical play, um, and just being able to control the game. And they, the last thing I would say about Edmonton, too, um, you know, when they made that trade for Ekholm and gave up Tyson Berry, who, let's face it, five on five can a lot of times be a, a defensive liability. But on the power play, he was good. But given Evan Bouchard that chance, he has just taken it and embraced it. And, it's, and let's face it, his shot from the point is a lot better than that of of Barry. So what they've done now, because in the past, everybody's worried about McDavid's McDavid's free-flowing, Dreisaitl's in the right circle, Kane's in the left circle. You know, they mix it up. They mix it up sometimes. Now they have to account for that howitzer from Bouchard at the point. And all that does, when you start compensating there, you give Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid more space on the power play. Let me ask you, Dan. How's that going to fare if you uh, if you give those guys too much ice? Yeah, no, not good. He's got and Bouchard, Sean, by the way, has uh, seven points on the power play right now. He's got eight points in the series, and I think he's got seven on the power play. Yeah, and you could get five points on the power play. I think I could. For the, for Honestly, the I think I could. Oilers. I've seen you play. I've seen you skate. You got the Malkin skates. So <laughs> I do. There's, there's a there's a few assists right there. Um, I think you could run the blue line. Flub the puck around a little bit and get five points. In a I think series. I could slide on the blue line, maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and that's taking nothing away from Evan Bouchard. And look, Tyson, 
Tyson was a, we've talked about this before. He was superfluous. They had offense. They needed something else. So mm-hmm. good on Kenny Holland. The other deal Kenny Holland made saved him the series. Jack Campbell plays hero. Yep. What's better than that for Jack Campbell, who has not been the goalie that they wanted? He's had his job stolen by a rookie, rides the bench, and all of a sudden they tap him on the shoulder and they're like, hold the fort, please. Maybe we can come back. They come back and they win what's probably the most important game they've won yep. in in a long time because there were going to be some really hard questions to be answered in Edmonton if they went out in the first round uh, to to this Kings team, which is a good team, somewhat one dimensional, right? And and that they want to shut you down and they yep. want to win three to two. Um, he saved the bacon. Well, I mean that you know you look at Jack. Not the best of years, but when it was on the line, he came in. And we always t- we've talked about it on this podcast before, guys. Um, you know, it's very rare in a playoff run that you don't need that second goalie. And I think it gave confidence not only to Jack, but the rest of the team that if Skinner falters again, they have somebody that they can trust. And I'm not sure that was the case during the regular season. All right, Zai. So. We'll let you go now, and I just want to say you've been in Toronto long enough. You've covered the Leafs, so I think you deserve a float in the first-round victory parade. No. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing for that, okay? (laughs) There you go. A float. No float for me, thank you. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for jumping on with us, all right? Thanks for having me on, guys. Make sure you wear your pom-poms on the float, guys. (laughs) <laughs> no pom-poms that's that's that that's verboten okay that's that that is. yet yet okay no no pom-poms no float that's what i'm not all about remember guys i'm the one that hasn't picked them in the playoffs for like five years until this year okay so my pom-poms de- decayed centuries ago thanks for having me on great stuff there with Zai's and Sean we got a lot to hit on we, we we have not hit on a number of series here but I do want to play a little bit off of what we were talking about with Edmonton and LA and I brought it up with Zai's like the power play is it's unreal it's it's eight for 14 in this series so it's 57.1 percent right now through five games against the Kings I'm talking about the Oilers after you know historically good in the regular season 30 32.4 percent I honestly I think the only way LA and I and I like LA I think they're a really good team um, I don't like their goaltending right now. Didn't like at all what I saw from Corpusalo or from Phoenix Copley in game five, and they lose that game 6-3. But honestly, I think if they're going to come back in this series to win in seven, they can't commit a penalty. It's like it's a, almost a guarantee. If they give them three in, in three power plays, they're scoring on two, and that's the difference in the game. I, I, I don't know. I still have faith in this L.A. team. I, I, I you know, I've thought a lot about the, the podcast we did with, with Luke Robitaille before it started and him talking about, you know, how you have to play this team and that's your litmus test, but more so in watching Drew Doughty play. Mm-hmm. God, he's a monster. He is. It's a big game. He's playing, right? It's like what Luke said. I, I've wanted to ask a couple of, uh, there's a couple of ex-Kings in my series and I've wanted to ask him about it, but I, I haven't gotten to it yet. It, it's kind of a insult and it's a weird question to ask. Like, hey, does that guy in your room show up when the games are big and maybe not so much when they're not? Because that's what your president said. But, um, yeah, I still have faith. I, I just – Edmonton had to switch goalies, and Skinner came back, and he played well. Um, I was a little surprised that he was put back in that position. I, I thought maybe Campbell had earned the start. But 
you know, I think they could win two, three to two games and, and, and skate out of, uh, skate out of Edmonton into the next round. They could, they could, but their goalies have to be way better. That's the other thing too. And, and like I said, did not like what I saw from Corpus Allo or Phoenix Copley in game five for me to believe that they can be better, way better. Um, you know, and plus three days off now between games. I, I actually think that benefits LA more than it benefits Edmonton is the three days off because they can flush that game five down and, and they got time to, to, you know, re-energize themselves. It's, you know, and, and if anything, you know, you look at Edmonton and they're, and they're red hot right now and, and time off is never good for a team that's red hot. You usually want to come right back. So three days off makes a difference, right? I mean, it, it, I think it makes a little, do you agree that it benefits the Kings a little bit more? Yeah, no, I think it does. And I, and I hope our newest staff member, Derek Van Deest, who's covering that series and is based out of Edmonton, was smart enough to tell Bill Price that you got to latch on to the team that could be eliminated for the next three days. Stay in, stay in L.A. for a few days? Yeah. yeah not well, no, go to L.A. early. Go to Get L.A. early. That's right. Yeah, go to L.A. early. Yeah. Get out of Edmonton. Fun and sun, Hollywood, Manhattan Beach. It's all there, Dan. The taco yeah. shack right on Manhattan Beach. It's all right there. It's very true. I hope he's smart enough to do that. All right, let's move the to the other west. Move. That would be a veteran move, but he's new. He's a veteran writer, but he's new with us. You know, so we'll see. Uh, Dallas, Minnesota. So they play game six on Friday, and you've got Dallas, who's won their last two games. They got blitzed in game three, five to one. They came back. They won three to two in game four. They won four to nothing. They dominated um game game five interestingly enough you know we've talked you know there's been so much success for the road teams and there hasn't been a shutout for a goalie well dallas was home and the goalie got a shutout and jake ottinger in that game game five last night as we we're talking wednesday that was uh i'm sorry we're talking yeah wednesday god i can't even know what day it is anymore we're talking wednesday that was tuesday rope hints six assists in the last two games sean they're big we Zai's talked about how in Toronto, right, the big guys are showing up, Marner and Matthews and Riley and and O'Reilly and and Nylander, Tavares with the hat trick. It's the big guys for Dallas too, right? I mean, you've gotten a lot out of Rope Hints. You've gotten a lot out of Jake Ottinger, their goalie. Jason Robertson's done his job. Tyler Sagan's got four goals in the series, scoring on the power play. Uh, Miro Haskinen has done a, a he, he's producing it. Dallas's big guys are showing up. It's a big reason why they're up three to two in this series. And, and he, I, I mean, I don't want to count Minnesota out at all. I, I think this is a back and forth type series, but you got to give credit where it's due. And it's to Dallas's big guys. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, I think it's been somewhat of a, an introduction to Rope Hints for those who don't follow him. I mean, he's an elite player. Uh, Tracy Myers, who's covering that series for us, is going to have a feature today on Rope Hints. And, and inside of it is one of the great quotes of all time. Um, not surprisingly for Max Domi, who's a pretty good talker. Yeah. And he basically said, if you play EA Sports, if you play at EA at NHL, that's the dude you want to create. Like when you create your own player. like That's good. He's got everything, right? Like he's he's big, he's fast, he's got a good IQ, he's competitive, right? Great shot. He goes on and says he's pretty much the perfect hockey player. I, I don't know. I, I think that Lidstrom in Detroit, who is Mr. Perfect, might uh, softly in his Swedish way say, hey, you don't have the Mr. Perfect nickname. Um, but he's close and nobody knows it because 
if you're not following the Dallas Stars, you don't know. Yeah. By the way, Mike Babcock once told me a Nick Listrom, he laces his skates better than everybody else. So it's true. <laughs> he did everything better than everybody yeah. else. So um, I don't know that he's the perfect hockey player, but I would like to like to have him on my team. And if I could create a hockey player, it would be pretty close. He would be pretty close to the template. I, I mean, obviously, Connor McDavid. Uh, the one thing I think is a little different, and and Connor's closed the gap is is you know that that ability to kind of come back and and, and affect the game in other places. Um, and he has to do that more because that's what Dallas does. Yeah. Um, but his hockey IQ, I think, negates some of the skill advantage that that Connor McDavid has. And I'm not saying they're in the same league. Clearly. Hints is a level below that, but he's he's way more elite than people think he is. By the way, not to get off on a tangent, but with due respect to the Gretzky's, Lemieux's, Howes, Ors of the world, if I was creating a player, it might be either Patrice Bergeron or Scott Niedermeyer. Can't go wrong with either one of those. Um, but yeah, I, I just, but I, I think we're seeing a game seven in that series. That's just the way that it's trending for me. You know, both teams are really proud. Both teams are willing to fight for every inch of the ice. I don't see Minnesota going quietly now because they're behind. Yeah. Who do you start for the wild? Who do I start? Murray. You going back to Gustafson? Or are you going to Florida? Of course I am. Yeah, I think, I think you have to. I think it's his series, right? That was done. Yeah. That you was done and dusted yeah. when, when they played Fleury and nothing against Mark Andre, it's not his fault that they got absolutely torched, but they did. And the other guy came back and he played well. So yeah, no, to me, there's not even a question. You're going to take Mark Andre Fleury now with three games off and say, "Here, go save our season." No, it's too they much. Went, they went to that well once already. It ripped their team apart. They're not going back to it. Look, right now, Gus is the better goalie. Yeah. All right, quickly, Islanders come back. They get a make it a three to two series. Uh, force a game six at UBS Arena on Friday. Key thing for the Islanders in game four. I mean, look, and the key thing for them that if they're going to win this series is there's two factors. It's it's Ilya Sorokin, who was really good in game four, 34 saves on 36 shots, and their penalty kill. Forget about their power play. It's god awful right now. Okay. They're not their their power play has been bad all season. I don't know why all of a sudden we're gonna expect it to explode here in the playoffs. Maybe it does, and it surprises me, but it's their penalty kill. And look, the two games that they've won in this series, they're eight for eight on the penalty kill. In the three games they've lost in this series, they've allowed five goals on 15 opportunities. If they kill the penalties that they commit, keep this a five-on-five series, that gives them a chance. If it's a special team series, they're going to lose that battle. If if it's a special team series and they have to rely on their power play, they're going to lose that battle. Dan, my head's spinning and I can't keep track of everything, but just to be clear, it is game five. It was game five for them, correct? Correct. Okay. You said it was game four. I just wanted to make sure okay. that I wasn't. Game, six, I wasn't was in, game, in five, wrong... game six is at UBS Arena on Friday. Yeah, I I, I wasn't in the wrong headspace. It's so my travel, Sean. I've been, I mean, I, I've, it's the travel that I've done. I know. I know. You it know? wears on you. It, it, yeah, it's it just... you know, sleeping in your bed every night, not being able to get away from your family. It wears on you. Um, <laughs> being able to take care of your responsibilities, it all wears on you. But, Sorokin's the key, obviously, for them. I mean, you talk about a low event series. Um, that's it. But can I ask you a question? Yes. Where is Bo Horvat? I don't know. 
I don't know. And, and that goes back to what Bruce Cassidy said about Jack Eichel, right? The puck's not following that guy. And he is turning his stick into sawdust. And, and I don't know how he gets out of it, right? You get out of it with a lucky goal um, because the, the, it, nothing else is coming for him right now. But my God, the fact that they're going to play a game six and the guy that they fell over themselves to trade for and then to extend long-term has not wowed anybody no but this goes back to the regular season too he didn't have a strong finish to the regular season either and and look brock nelson's been really good really good matt barzell's gotten a couple of goals for them coming back from an injury you know that he didn't play the last quarter of the season basically right they need bo horvat and it's a big look their power play is like i said it it's 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 not good horvat has a chance to make it better he does, and he's not doing that right now, but they still forced a game six at home. And like you said, the key thing, and I think it's the penalty kill too, but the key thing is Sorokin. He's their best player. He is their most important player. And if he is going to be their best player, then they are going to have a chance. And if he's not their best player, then they, I don't think they they have much of a chance. And I, I, you know, like I keep looking at the Carolina Hurricanes too, Sean, and I'm just like, not believe in too many injuries, key guys out. Tara Vinen joins the list in this series. You know, I mean, we do know their pedigree though. Like they find ways to get it done early in the playoffs and, and maybe they do in this one, but you know, we'll see the, the, the differences they can generate from they the can, blue line. Yeah, they do. And they, they can generate more from the blue line than the Islanders can. And again, their power play. Right. I mean, Carolina, when it when they get a couple of power play goals, they're gonna win. If they get a if they get a, a power play goal, they might just win game six. So all right, couple before we let go, quick hitters. G- games that are tonight. Colorado, Seattle. We'll hit that one first. It's a two to two series. Kale McCarr is out. Valeri Nachushkin's not playing. The champs look like they're on the ropes a little bit with the injuries and the situations and the Kraken proving to everybody that they're for real, that the regular season was not for real. I don't necessarily think the champs are on the ropes, by the way, they were 17, three and two without Kale McCarr in the lineup this season. They've got Rantanen, they've got McKinnon and the Kraken have not had much of an answer for those two, but the Kraken's depth has come through for them again in this series. Do you think it can continue to come through for them to win and upset the champs? It's rope-a-dope, Dan. Rope-a-dope. The, the Colorado Avalanche have them right where they want them. Look, the best players in the series are going to win the series. And I don't think, look, everything that Seattle's done has been great. Um, what a great storyline, you know. Uh, two great games in Seattle for the first two games in, in uh, the history of the Kraken. The first two playoff games, the atmosphere was unbelievable. They saw unbelievable hockey, right? This is a memory that that the franchise is going to build on. but your best players win series and there is no question that the Colorado Avalanche have the three best players in the series. One's not playing. One's not playing because he he made a hit that can't be made in this game um, and clearly deserves to sit. Uh, But they have for what will be a deciding game six and maybe a deciding game seven, they have the best players and they have the experience. Yeah. They've been through it. They know what it means to face elimination. They know what it means to face advancing to the next round and, and all the excitement that comes with that and how to channel it and, and how to handle it. And, and I don't think Seattle does. And to me, those are the two biggest differences, right? Like, I, it's going to be hard to go into Seattle for game six and win. 
but Colorado could certainly do it. They went into Tampa and won. Yeah, a game right. six with a lot more on the line and a way better team. I don't think I'm insulting anybody in Seattle to say that the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions were a little more talented than the Seattle Kraken team. Look, and I love the way the Kraken have done it this year, you know, finding ways with so many different guys in the regular season, 13 players with 13 or more goals in this series. I think they got 11 guys with a goal in this series. Only Jaden Schwartz has two. So they're, they're, they're getting it's a, it's the same way, getting contributions from everybody. But the same refrain from the regular season is going to carry, I think, true in this series is they do not in any game that they play, for the most part, have the best player in the game. And like you said, there's at least not in game, not in game five, but moving forward after it, there's three, maybe more. We'll see players that are the best players on the ice playing for one team. Yeah. And, and players that have been battle tested. Yeah. You know what McKinnon's going to do in the playoffs. You know, this isn't too big a stage for him. Um, it's not too big a stage for any of them. They, they've climbed the mountain. They know the way. All right. So the last one before we go quickly, Sean, Florida Panthers down three to one to the best team we've ever seen in the regular season, <clears throat> a team that went into Florida, did the job it needed to do. I give the Panthers all kinds of credit for how valiant they have been in this series for pushing the Bruins in this series for not being pushed down in this series. They lose in five. They brought a knife to a gunfight. Like, that's what they did, and, and through no fault of their own. I mean, this is just an elite-level team, and, they've, and the Bruins have done it without Patrice Bergeron, who's supposedly coming back for game five. You know, they, they've had injuries. They've had the flu bug, flu bug going through their room. Um, you know, Allmark's been dealing with some issues where they've thought a couple of times that Swayman might have to play. Like, the Bruins aren't at their best, and, and they've still steamrolled. Um, it, it's just, it's amazing to watch. It, it's literally amazing to watch this team play, right? You know, Charlie Coyle stepped up in the, in the absence there. Um, Charlie McAvoy has been utterly brilliant, um, for them. Uh, Bertuzzi, their trade pickup has, has done wonders for them. Like they just, they just bring guys one after another and they can play any way you want. Um, you know, look, I think Florida was right and trying to intimidate this team and, and trying to rattle their cage. And you got to do anything you can to try and win a playoff series. And, and we know we talked to Paul Maurice and that's, that's what to Chuck's going to do, what Matt's going to do. And, and, you know, he's tried to bring them into the fight and he, he he's made it entertaining for sure. You don't want to not watch those games um, just because you're like, well, I wonder what he's going to do next. And is, it is Linus Olmark going to beat him up for it, but they just don't talent wise they just don't match up yeah i agree with you and like i said i mean we had paul maurice on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and he said they needed to go through the hard hockey they're going through the hard hockey i think the panthers end up better for this i do i, I mean, we'll see where it goes going forward but i mean ideally they should end up a better team you know as a result of playing in this series but they're not going to win this series and i think they're going to be done in five and sean we are done for this podcast and as always despite your Hellacious travel. You brought it. Always, Dan. Always. You know why? I needed to get this done. I got to get to practice. Me too. Right? Both teams are practicing at the same time. Yay. In different buildings. Um, so I'm going to flip a coin, decide who I go to. Got to get my writing done. Big dinner tonight with our good buddy, Brian Slagle. Not at Beauty in Essex. Chris Santos has a new place in Vegas. 
Stanton Social. He's got one in New York. Now he's got one in Vegas. Big dinner tonight. So All I got to right. get everything done. That's why I'm glad we did this podcast early. So take that while you're riding up Route 21, buddy. Um, I'll be going up uh, to Westchester today. But anyway, I'll be having dinner at home. And everybody, like everybody else, I'll be watching tonight. A lot of hockey on the plate. Everybody enjoy it. <laughs>